morning. Happy Sunday. My name is Whitney. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Connect. And um, for those of you, this is your first time here, we want to welcome you. We are so glad that you decided to spend your Sunday morning with us. For those of you who are watching online, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Okay, I want to give you a little, I want to take you back for my last couple of weeks. I kind of want to take you on a journey with me a little bit because um, I feel like honesty is the best policy. So I need you to know exactly how I got to be up here today because it almost didn't happen. So a um, few weeks ago before Dave, our lead pastor, left on his trek, he said, listen, I, I have a couple guest speakers lined up, but I need you to speak on the 22nd. And I said, okay, perfect. I can do that. And he said, okay, we're not in any series or anything, so it's a one-off. I want you to speak on whatever you want to speak on, which I'm thinking, perfect, okay. He gave me a couple ideas, and um, they were great, don't get me wrong, but I don't feel like they were speaking to me. But the good news was I was getting ready with my family to go on our family trip. We went to our regular destination, Orange Beach, Alabama, and... um, I thought, well, this is perfect timing because I can go on vacation, I can unplug, which I did, and I can sit on the beach, listen to the waves, have the sun beat on me, and God will speak to me in an audible voice saying, Whitney, this is what you need to speak on. Like, that's what I was banking on. So I went there, I came home, I went there, had an awesome vacation, I came home, and I had a blank sheet of paper. I had nothing. God did not speak to me like I was hoping he would speak to me. And... um. I wasn't, I wasn't worried yet. So last Sunday, if you guys missed last Sunday and you missed our guest speaker, Jason, please go back and watch. He did a phenomenal job. He came all the way from Tampa, Florida, and he brought a really great message. So go back and listen to it. But um, he kind of gave me, like he revved me up, like, okay, that was such a great message. I'm going to go home and I'm going to write and write. I came home, and normally how I prep for a message is I pray, I read, I listen to podcasts just to kind of fill my brain with material, with stuff. So I went to bed Sunday night with still a blank sheet of paper. So I'm getting a little worried, not to lie, because I've never gone this close to a message without knowing what I was going to speak on. So I thought, okay, tomorrow's Monday. I'm going to get up and I'm going to hit the ground running. I wake up and I'm doing the things again. I'm reading, I'm listening to podcasts, and I'm praying and... I was not at my best. I was very stressed. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was worried. I was about ready to call Justin like, we need to show a video. And um, you can ask my husband. I was like at my worst for a couple days. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm going to just apologize now. It was really stressful. So I was freaking out. So... While this is happening, a couple months ago, I actually took a college course over the Old Testament, and I learned about this person in the Old Testament that really spoke to me, that had a really great story, and I've been getting nudged for a very long time to speak on this person. But I kept kind of pushing it away, thinking it wasn't the right time, it wasn't the right message. So I go to bed on Monday night, blank sheet of paper, and I have a come to Jesus conversation with Jesus. And I say, listen, I just need a clear word from you. I need something. Just speak to me. And I woke up that morning with such clarity on Tuesday morning of this is what you need to speak on. And it was that exact message that has been nudging me and nudging me for so long. I just was ignoring it. And that is what I have for you today. So I have a word for you this morning, and it is a lot of Bible reading. So for those of you who are doing their Bible in a year plan, I think we'll finish it today. So you're welcome. Um, But I want to start off with a word that doesn't always have the best like views tied to it. And that word is reputation. 
Who's heard of the red word reputation? And normally for me, it comes with like a negative connotation. Reputation. Like, have you heard of her reputation? Or he's got a reputation. I think of something negative. But a reputation is a belief or an opinion that is held about something or someone. That's truly what a reputation is. It could be good. It could be bad. And reputation reminds me of something you get in high school. Um, let's see, maybe it's something that you're involved in a club or um, a sport. Maybe it's the chess club, the pep club, the theaters, football, whatever it is. Normally what you're involved in, it builds and molds your reputation. Maybe it's the people you hang out with. Maybe you are hanging out with the people that have a 4.0 GPA average and they're smart and they're reading all the time. That kind of molds your reputation. Or you're hanging out with the rough crowd that parties and gets in trouble. And maybe you're not doing that, but it builds your reputation. And we know, a lot of us know that reputation has a way of following us. For many, many years as we grow, reputation has a way of following us. And a lot of times, it's by someone or people who don't really know us personally. Um, Sometimes it's something you were but you're not anymore. Reputation has a way of following us. And reputation is not, reputation is not built by something you just do occasionally. Reputation is not built by something you just do occasionally. Reputation is not someone you wish you were, and reputation is not what people, what you wish people saw of you. True reputation, true reputation is relationship, and repetition, relationship and repetition, repetition, relationship and repetition. That's what true reputation is. And I hope, I hope I get my reputation by something I do right to people over and over and over again. And when I mess up and I fail, I apologize and I hope I get back on track doing the right thing to people over and over and over again because reputation is relationship and repetition. So we are going to take it back all the way to the Old Testament today. And I want to give you a little context of where we are, what happened right before this, before we get into the word. So this is what happened. So Moses, the trusty leader Moses that God appointed, led the Israelites out of Egypt So they get out of Egypt, they're following Moses, and Moses takes them through the Red Sea. God parts the water for them. They walk through on dry ground. And then Moses leads them into the wilderness. They're in the wilderness for 40 years. These 40 years are a struggle to the Israelites. They are disobedient to God. They're not doing what God is asking them to do. They're worshiping false gods. They're worshiping idols. They are just struggling in the wilderness. So right before they get to the promised land, they can see it. They can feel it. They can taste it. They can touch it. Moses dies. The person that was supposed to lead him into the the promised land dies. So God appoints Joshua as the next leader. And what God says is, listen, I have one more body of water for you to cross, but I promise this is it. Right after this body, the Jordan River, your promised land is there. I promise you. And he says to, God says to Joshua, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And he promised the same thing to Moses, and he kept his word as he always does. 
And the other side of the body of water was Jericho. And the city of Jericho was a very big and wealthy and prominent city at the time. So this is where we start. We start in Joshua 2. And this is what verse 1 says. It says this, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. And I want to point out two things right now. Shittim is pronounced Shittim. Because I looked it up to make sure I wasn't saying it wrong because you could easily say that word wrong. So I made sure I knew how to pronounce it for you guys this morning. So they are leaving from Shatim. And Joshua sends two spies. He sends two spies to go check out the promised land. And the reason why this is so important, because decades before this, Moses sent in spies as well. But Moses sent in 12 spies. He sends 12 spies in, all 12 spies come back, two of them, two of the 12 spies have a really promising report. They say, this land is amazing, it is flowing with milk and honey, if God is with us, we cannot fail. They come back with a promising report, now the other 10 came back with a report of fear. They say, we can't go over there, there's giants over there. There's giants and we're little ants compared to them. We would not survive. We can't go there. So two brought a promising report and 10 brought a report of fear. So Joshua's like, listen, I learned from last time and I know I don't need too many opinions. I know a lot of opinions of other crowds out the voice of God. So I'm only sending two. So he sends in two spies. And Joshua tells the two spies, go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. So here's what we know so far. They enter a house of a prostitute. So we know Rahab has a reputation. Rahab has a reputation. And you almost have to think, how did this woman get to this point? How did this woman feel like she had nothing else to do but to get in this line of work. She has a reputation. She must have had a hard life, this Rahab. And here's what we also know. Rahab, she, she lives on the, the wall of Jericho. So everybody sees who's going in her house and everybody sees who's leaving her house. But we also know in Rahab's line of work, shall we say, she has to be discreet. It is all about discretion. So we know Rahab has a reputation. In verse 2, it says this, The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. He says, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. In verse 4, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, all about discretion. And this is what she says to the king of Jericho. She says this, yes, the men did come to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may be able to catch up with them. So Rahab is lying through her teeth, lie after lie to the king of Jericho. And she says, listen... Yes, two men did come to my house. I'm sure you saw that. Everybody sees that. But I didn't know who they were. 
I don't know where they came from, but they left before we closed the city gate. And I bet if you go after them, you can catch them. So go quickly. She's lying to the king of Jericho. And in verse 6, it says this, but she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, she says, I know, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So not only do we know that Rahab has a reputation, these spies, the Israelites, they have a reputation as well. She's saying, listen, I heard of you. In this city, we all know of you. Things that you've done decades ago, we're still talking about, and we are still melting in fear. We know of you. She's saying, you have a reputation here. But it's interesting, if you read the last line, it says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So what we know of Rahab is she's a Canaanite. She's a Canaanite woman, and Canaanites don't believe in the one true God. They believe in many gods. They worship many gods. They worship many idols. So, but she's saying here, but the Lord your God is God. So she's believing in her heart that the one true God is God. So we have to think here from all of the things that they've heard about the spies and the Israelites, God has been planting seeds in Rahab's heart for decades. She, is, she knows of God. She's saying, listen, your God, I know is God. And I know your Lord, the Lord wants you to have this land. So she goes on to say, now then please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. And isn't this so true? For those of us who are Jesus followers in the room, isn't this so true? Where the minute we meet Jesus, Jesus changes our, changes our lives. We become saved. We want everybody we know and we love to feel the same thing. We know God, and that means we want others to know God as well. And she's saying, listen, I have faith and I'm gonna help you out, but I need you to help me out too and save my mother my father, my brothers and sisters, and anybody who's close to us. And they say, yeah, of course, our lives for your lives. The men assured her, if you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves for three days and then return and then go on your way. So the men told her, this oath has made a swear will not be binding on us unless 
we have, unless when we enter the land, you have tied the scarlet cord, so something like this, you have tied the scarlet cord through the window for the house she lived, okay, sorry, uh, tied the scarlet cord in the window through you let us down. And unless you have brought your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your family in this house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. And for those who are in your house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. She said, agreed. So this is what they're saying. They said, listen, if you tie this red scarlet rope outside your window, when we come back to take over the land, we know that you're safe. We know that your brother's with you, your sister, your mother, your father, and we will spare you. I promise you that. However, if we don't see this red scarlet cord outside your window, we're gonna assume you're outside in the city and that's on you. Your blood's on your hands at that point. So what she did is she's like, all right, I'm gonna redecorate. I'm gonna put this outside my window because I'm having faith in God. And they're gonna see this and they're gonna know that I have faith, I trust in God, and my family and myself will be spared. So this is what happens. They go back, they do just as Rahab says. Rahab has a plan, she's like, all right, let's do this. They go back and after some time, they gather their armies, they come back and they are circling. They're circling the city of Jericho for seven days, circle after circle and they're like, oh my goodness, what, what nothing's happening, but they're trusting on being obedient to God and on the seventh day, on the seventh day, the walls come crumbling down. The walls of Jericho fell, except for the one portion that Rahab had the scarlet cord out. That portion of the wall was spared by the blood of the lamb, the scarlet cord. Her faith had saved her. And it says in Joshua 6, 17, the city and all who are, are to be devoted to the Lord, only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in the house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. So that's a lot of reading. We did a lot of Bible just now. So let's all get on the same page, right? Let's all get on the same page. So we have a lying prostitute that God uses to fulfill the promise and to bring glory to this earth. Are we all on the same page? Yeah. Okay, and here's what we need to learn. God does not look at our standard of importance on who he uses. God does not look at our view of significance on who he uses. God is looking at our faith. God works through who he wants to. He doesn't ask us first. He works through who he wants to. So we, as Christ followers or not, need to stop categorizing people and casting them out. And I know, I know this story doesn't always go down easy because the story of Rahab is rated R and it doesn't teach very well in Connect Kids. But here's what we need to know. God did not change Rahab before he used her. Rahab was still a prostitute when he used her. 
And Rahab's faith was so big and so important that she's actually mentioned several times in the New Testament. In Hebrews 11, it says this, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. It says by faith, by faith, by faith. God wants our faith, not a spotless reputation.